we, we, we're doing a series on relationships, and we basically made a contrasting point between uh, the building of a house and the building of a home. And so a house, as you know, is built on, you know, brick and mortar, and the Bible would say wood, hay, stubble, and nail guns and the sort. And uh, that's kind of the practical side of things. But there's also a practical side to the building of a home. A home is where the heart is. A home is what everybody actually wants. It's, a home has a, a very high place value in people's hearts kind of inherently. But to build a home, we need to have wisdom and common sense, the Bible says, in accordance with Proverbs 24, verse 3. So we, we've been doing a whole series every single week, uh, and this is the final installment of our series entitled Home, where we've been talking about all aspects of relationships, living single, we've been talking about parenting for a couple of weeks, that's a great couple of messages if you're new to Connect and, and, and you just like what you see with the kids world here, um, get some of those CDs, they're downstairs in Guest Central, or just go online and, and visit us online, we have the services all online as well, and we talked about parenting, and we talked about marriage last week, we actually had many couples renew their vows right in the middle of the service. It was so powerful. How many were here last week for that? Wasn't that awesome? So we're going to get going this morning and continue, and we're going to talk about the differences between men and women, and so I'm going to talk about of aspects of that, and as you know, she's going to talk about aspects of that, so this could be dangerous for me, but I'm going to start off. I'll go easy. And, uh, and then Stacy will um, continue. You know, when you talk about relationships, uh, you kind of have to delve into the subject carefully. So you can get your worship guides out. You can follow along and take a few notes. We believe in note-taking. It really helps you retain the information. And we're going to get into some of the differences between how do you see men, ladies, and how do you see women, men, because we need to learn sometimes what women uh, need, you know, want and what men need. And there are differences. They're distinctly different. And if we can experience healthy relationships between men and women, then basically that produces strong marriages, and strong marriages always produce strong homes. Can I have an amen or an oh me out there? So last week I alluded to a text from Ephesians chapter 5. Now I'm going to talk about kind of the first half of it, and then my wife will talk about the second half, but this is kind of the marriage chapter of the Bible, the mystery of marriage, and it's kind of contrasted with the church. But Ephesians 5, 25, I'm sure they'll put some of these scriptures on the screen, it talks to the guys first. All right, it says, husbands, love your wives just as uh, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. So this word just as, if you were looking in your Bibles or if in your notes, you might underline the word just as. That verse, basically, in those two words, set the bar really high for guys. It's saying, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. I mean, that's a pretty high standard, and you cannot do that without God's help. Can I, can I have an amen out there? It's just tough. It's such a high standard because we can't, we're supposed to give up our lives like Christ gave up his life for the church. I can't even give up the remote control sometimes to Stacey, even last night. She's like, Shh, give me the remote. I go, I got the remote, you know, so it's tough. So then it goes on to say, for her, you give up your life for her to make her holy. It's talking about the church and your wife, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word and to present her to himself, a radiant church, or you could say a radiant bride without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Then it says in this way, the same way Christ did that for the church, husbands, everybody say husbands, husbands. ought to, if you see an ought to, you ought to. All right, it ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Now, guys, this is interesting that penned by the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, God tells 
us as husbands to love our wives like we love our own bodies. That's kind of interesting. And I, I think God knew that as men, we probably couldn't understand the complexities of relationship. And so he, made, he gets to the crux of the matter, makes it super simple, and he says, basically, guys, if you love others, in particular her, like you love you, relationships are going to go great. You guys don't think that's funny. I think that's funny. In other words, when, when a guy looks in the, when, when a woman looks in the mirror, she looks in the mirror and she sees everything that's wrong, yeah. right? It's just immediate, man, right? <laughs> when a guy looks in the mirror, he's like, hey, I look pretty good. <laughs> he could have a beer belly. He could have his fly down. He could still be in his boxers with the wife beater shirt on. And he, and he could just go, good enough for me. You know what I mean? God says, if you can love her like you love yourself, it's going to work out great. Now everybody connecting the dots. That's what he's saying. He kind of made it simple. He kind of simplified it. And at the end of it, he says, he who loves his wife loves himself. So my wife will get to the second half of this, but the, really, the reason a lot of times relationships fail is because we're some consciously or unconsciously, we're barking or screaming or crying out to, 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 to replicate ourselves. We're trying to make our better half like us, because we think we're the better half. We're wanting to clone ourselves as if that would be the better way to do things. But the, but the reality is we're so different. And we have to learn in God's design in relationships, in particular marriage, how to celebrate our differences and not compete over them. And that's where Stacy and I got into a lot of conflict in the early years of our relationship is I was trying to make her like me, and she was trying to make me like her, which was a better idea. But we competed over our differences. Do you have everybody out there know what I'm saying? So unfortunately, sometimes we take truths like this that, that we're talking about today, and we, we, we misuse it, in particular as Christians. We can use truths that we receive from God's word as an arsenal, kind of as like Bible darts against each other. You know, sometimes it's an arsenal that causes us to, you know, as a weapon. Sometimes we use it as an excuse to separate. Sometimes we use it even further as a, as a, as a, as a way to hate someone or literally give someone a permanent Heisman, as I would say. So when you learn what you learn today, don't take home what you hear Stacy say or what you hear I say. Put, it on, put these things on, you know, on the refrigerator and then remind her, your husband, yeah, Pastor D said. <laughs> Stacy said. This is the kind of stuff we hear sometimes, you know what I mean? These aren't meant to be weapons or Bible darts, okay? Everybody out there, because the Bible says in Ephesians 5 to 1, 521, it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So you show that this is good vertically by how you love each other horizontally. So I can't say everything's good here, and I'm not expressing it here, and vice versa, her to me. Does that make sense? So what we get from God, relationship with God, should make me a better husband, a more selfless husband, a person who does lay down and give up my, the remote control quickly, all right? And vice versa, the things that God's designed her to do for me. So in short, the only, relation, the only relationships that really are the way they're going to work is when we give up our rights, as we talked about last week, we pick up our responsibilities, which is what Christ did for us. He gave up all his rights and he picked up all the responsibility. And he's saying, I want you to learn from me. And it's really the only win win proposition there is out there. And I want to show you uh, from the word how we can strategically serve each other. Not just serve each other, but strategically serve each other. Because men and women, we need to ask God sometimes as we, as we look at this whole thing, sp specifically marriage, how, how do you see your spouse? How do you see him, ladies? 
How do you see her? Because I think God in heaven looks down and says, I see Derek like this, Stacy. I, I see Stacy like this, Derek. And I think we need to have eyes to see as he sees. His ways, the Bible says in Isaiah 55, are higher than our ways. His vision is higher than our vision, more precise than our vision, more accurate than our vision. So as we go, you know, ask God to open your eyes. Do you see him the same way? Do you see her the same way God does? And that's the goal. Lay down our rights and our privileges at the feet of Jesus and let those benefits from what happens between the two of you trickle down into the rest of your home. So I'm going to start with the men this morning. All the men ready for this? All right, so I believe... That, that we can see from Scripture. Some of you are like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm nervous. All the ladies are like, take notes, take notes. I don't see a pen in your hand. Um, but the, the Bible talks, for the most part, a lot about how men are, are called to lead, leadership. It's kind of interesting, the word leadership. It's lead her ship. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care what you say. All right. So... <laughs> Ephesians 5 actually talks about these, these problems that men and, ha- men and women really have with God. And God knew in advance that we have this sinful nature. We were kind of born with this propensity to sin. That's why we need God to kind of redeem us from our sinful nature. I didn't have to teach my kids to rebel against me. They just did it. I didn't have to teach them the word no. It just came out of them, you know, that defiance. And so there, well, we love them, but there's things that have to change in them. The same thing is true of us. We're God's children. He has no grandchildren. He only has children. And so... Our, our sinful nature can literally destroy us if we don't deal with it strategically. And God had a design to deal with that sinful nature in man and in women. And that rebellion, let's just say, resistance to God in the beginning was expressed differently. Even though it's fundamentally the same thing, it's expressed differently. And so in Genesis 3, uh, the fall of man takes place. Both of them sin, but they both sin in different ways. Both of them uh, ate of the fruit, but one ate it first and one ate it second. You may say, that's no big deal, but just there's significance to that because Eve eats of the fruit first, but and Adam was there, and he didn't do his job. He let, he, 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 he let this happen. He, just, he didn't do his job, and in that moment, he didn't prevent or protect her from failing or falling. And then Eve ate that fruit, and, and she did what she did, and she never talked to Adam about it. She never talked to God about it. She just thought, I know what's best, and I, this is what I'm going to do. And she allowed, of course, the conniving deceiver nearby to, to solicit her, and, and she felt like she was just kind of doing the right thing. And so the woman's kind of resistance or rebellion against God was, uh, was manifest in independence, independence, and, and an independent spirit. And really, that's, you can you can, you know, dismiss this if you want, but, but you can see from Scripture that that's a propensity for women to have that. And so God, still seeing them as equals, decides to put an extra layer of the need for authority on her life, on the woman, because of independence. And the authority was there not to dominate her, control her, as we see so much of that in the world today, but to compensate for that independent nature. And it's therefore not restriction, but it was always supposed to be there for protection. Now it's been subverted and it's been you know twisted and used the wrong way and in particular in the church and it's taught the wrong way in the church then God goes to man he's like okay man you you're supposed to you're supposed to subjugate the world dominate to have dominion over the earth and subdue it and everything in of it and cultivate and protect etc and but man didn't do that 
And he, and he watched apathetically as his wife was deceived. His greatest sin, his greatest deception was passivity, passivity, apathy. And it's the kryptonite of men. It renders them powerless, but more importantly, it kills the dynamic between men and women in the relationship, specifically the marriage. So God, in Ephesians 5, says, I want you to love your wife just as Christ loved the church. He puts on an extra layer of responsibility on the man than he did on the woman to compensate for this passivity, this sin of passivity. So to keep that from taking us over, he's basically saying, I'm going to put a little bit more responsibility on you. And, and in the marriage, if it's not working, it's because we as men and women are gravitating towards our sinful nature, those two specific areas. One is independence and one is passivity, and you see it in relationships historically and generationally. So sometimes people say to me, well, if that's true, what if I'm willing to change? What if one spouse is willing to do the right thing, but the other isn't? This is classic comments. And so Joyce Meyer, she has this phrase, she says, the best person does the right thing first. See, the only person that I can change is me, and the only person that can make the first move is me. And so I would just encourage you, when you take these things in, again, not as a Bible dart or weapon, but again, do what you can do and do it now. So what, what do women want? What women really want is for man to be the initiator. Uh, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, be the initiator. Don't be passive. Be the initiator, okay? That's what, that's what they're looking for. And leadership is initiative, all right? But underneath that initiative, the kind of big word that they're looking for. Now, I, 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 I'm an 80s lover. Everybody knows that who's been in this church any length of time, all right, knows that I like certain kinds of music. But what women really want is love. They want to know what love is, right? I want to know what love is. Come on, listen. I want you to show me. All right, sorry. I just had to do that, all right? Women want love. That's what they want, right? But sometimes women are hard to love. They are. We as men, sometimes we think we're succeeding in loving them, but to our surprise, we're not hitting the mark at all. I don't know if you guys have felt like that. Sometimes you think, I'm doing a good job. I'm providing. I show up every day. I do this. I do that. I'm not running around with ladies, blah, blah. And you think you're loving them. They're like, you ain't loving me, Okay. <laughs> And this happens to a lot of us uh, as guys, and that's why sometimes we need help. Sometimes we need coaching and perspective and healthy conversations and maybe a small group that teach. Like, we're, we, we're having a five love languages picnic today uh, because our small groups just celebrate. But we learned a lot about each other through that in marriage and how to love each other the right way. I read an email about a guy who's trying to understand his wife and her mood swings, and so he gave her a mood ring, okay? <laughs> and so when she's happy... It turned green. And when it was red, it left a mark right on his forehead in red, right here. <laughs> the moral of the story is don't buy that kind of a ring. Buy a diamond ring. Right, ladies? All right. So, so anyway, these areas are really going to help you out. All these categories start with what women want to feel. Everybody say feel. The key word is feel. Now, I can sing a song here, but I won't. But uh, I won't. My wife's saying don't do it. The reason is, if you think you're doing it right, but they're not feeling it, then you're not doing it right. They have to feel it. You feeling what I'm saying, everybody out there? Okay, so here's number one, what women want to feel. They want to feel special. Write that down, guys. Write that down. Because they're, they're watching you right now. Okay, write that down. 
They have a stamp on Put them. Put a star by it. They have a stamp on them that says, I want to feel special. That stamp comes from God. Okay? And it actually, that, that desire for them to feel special was God's design so that we would pursue them, figure them out, learn from them. It would, it would create a journey that we would enjoy. It would create a journey that we would enjoy. So it wasn't just like conquest over, done. I got the girl. She's my wife. The end. No. It's make me feel special is a continuum. Okay? It doesn't stop. It doesn't go away. So how do we do that? We spend quality time with her. Spend quality time with her. Now, quality time means undivided attention. It's not put your arm around her during Monday night football. We're having quality time. <laughs> I, that's what I thought it was. I still wrestle with this. I, guys, I'm just telling you as a pastor, just in case she's making faces. Um, okay, we're coming up on 24 years this fall. I still am learning what quality time really, really means. And I was thinking about that just this week based on a conversation we had. It's really hard when your wife's standing right behind you during this part. Uh, but, but in Genesis 2.18, it says, it's not good for man to be alone. It says, so God gave him a helpmate. So he's basically saying, you're, it's better for you to have quality time, Derek. Even though that might not be your primary love language, God wants you to be with her, be together with her, and she wants to be together with you. Actually, statistically, you're going to be stronger, healthier, more satisfied in life when you spend time with your spouse, if things go better. Here's the next thing. Say good things to her, nice things to her. This seems so primitive, doesn't it? But, but this is what we need. This is what it means to make her feel special. I realized that in marriage that Stacy has an incredible memory. And that I forget everything. And I just figured over time, there's no sense in both of us, both of us keeping track of everything and remembering everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> so early on in marriage, we created a rule that, you know, anything that I did wrong, there was a 14-day rule, was not permissible on the 15th day forward. So we just have to let it go. It can't come back up. But the truth is, as guys, we can say some really dumb things, okay? Really dumb things. Women, you really need to know. We really are that dumb, okay? We really are. We, 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 we can say some stupid things. And so sometimes, guys, we need to learn to be very intentional with our words. We need to watch what we say. It doesn't hurt to once in a while tell your wife she looks pretty, she's, she's smoking, whatever it is that works. You know, your face could stop traffic, whatever. Like, craft a statement. <laughs> craft a statement that makes her feel special. My father-in-law used to say things like this. He calls my mother-in-law blonde. He said, blonde, I told you I loved you when I married you, and if I change my mind, I'll let you know. See, that's not good. That's very bad, okay? Very bad. <laughs> or it could be you're trying. Sometimes guys were trying. When my wife was, was, was out there, you know, she, we, had, we had four children, okay? So when she was pregnant, I can remember going to her and telling her, baby, you look so hot, because I'm trying, you know? She's like, no, I don't, I'm pregnant. You know what I mean? It's like, that wasn't skilled communication. I just should have said, you look so cute. You're glowing. That would have been better. But I'm like, you're hot, baby. No, she's like, no, I'm not. I'm sweating, but I'm not hot. Okay? You're an idiot. So there's a ton of mistakes you can make, by the way. Singles, you should write these things down. When a woman's pregnant, there's things you shouldn't do. Let me give you some things you don't say to a pregnant wife, all right? Number one, you, say, you never say, I finished the Oreos. Okay? Never say that. To a pregnant woman, you never say that. You never say, honey, not to imply anything, but I don't think this kid weighs 40 pounds. That doesn't work, okay? This is a really bad one. I've actually heard this one. Couldn't they induce labor? The Super Bowl's on the 25th. 
bad, 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 bad. All right, there's another one. Honey, you're about five pounds away from a surprise visit from Richard Simmons. That's not a good one. Are your ankles supposed to look like that? That's not a good one. You remember Fred at the office? He passed a stone the size of a pea. Man, that's got to hurt. You don't want to do that. Wow, for a moment there, I, I thought I just woke up next to Chris Farley. You don't want to say that. That's not a good one. I'm jealous. Why can't men enjoy the experience of childbirth? Yeah, you don't want to say that. This is one you don't want to say. Go get your own ice cream. Yeah. And then this is my favorite one that they had. They had, don't, you don't have the guts to pull the trigger. Don't ever say that to a pregnant woman, okay? You, you'll be sad. All right. Number two, all right? Women don't just, they, they want to feel loved, okay? But they also want to feel secure. Everybody say secure. This doesn't mean, you know, don't worry, everything's going to be under control. I got it, I got it. No, you got to, as men, we need to protect and provide for our families. They need, honestly, they need emotion. We always think it's financial, but they need emotional security before they need financial security. Can I get an amen from the ladies? So financial security is important, but the emotional security precedes the financial security. Both are critical. But you also, guys, to show them that security, you need to lead them with vision and with goals. Like, they want to know you have a plan for, for our lives. And where that really comes to play and how you get there is by being the spiritual leader of your home. Lead her ship. You need to be the spiritual leader. She's looking for that from you. And actually, what, what I hope you can see, guys, is that godliness is sexiness to them. See, women are attracted to people who are in love with God. They are. That's what they really want. They don't want somebody that's in love with everything else, that's in love with themselves. They want someone that's in love with God because you'll always be a better husband. You'll always be a better father when God is your first love. Can I have an amen out there? Praise the Lord. Number three, we want women to feel uh, understood. Women want to feel, feel understood. Keyword, feel. Because women don't want to be understood because they can't be. They need to I get the mic feel in a few minutes. <laughs> understood. They need to feel understood, okay? There was a story about a husband, and he was, he was wanting to bless his wife, you know, and, and he asked his wife what she wanted for her birthday, and she said, I want to I be six again. I want to be six again. And so he went out, and he, he, the next day for her birthday, he gets up, and he goes and buys her some Lucky Charms cereal, and he makes her feel six and pours the Lucky Charms. And then he takes her to a theme park, and, you know, they go to this theme park, and they go on, like, Superman rides and roller coasters and all this kind of stuff. And they spend a whole day at the theme park, and they come out of the theme park, and she's exhausted, and, you know, they've, and, and, and she's hungry now. And he says, okay, well, let's go to Mickey D's. And so they go to Mickey D's, and he buys her a Happy Meal and a strawberry shake and a large fry. And, and, and then they, they take a nice stroll home, and she's, like, just reeling from the day. She's totally exhausted. She kind of feels gross. And, 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 and so they go see a movie. And let's go see the, the Star Wars epic trilogy. And so they go watch that. At the end, they do popcorn and M&Ms and a soda the size, you know, of a gallon of water. And, and, uh, and, and then they go home, and she's like collapses in the bed. And, and he lays down beside her. He's got a big smile on his face thinking, I've been the most caring, loving, awesome husband. And, you know, I've hit the mark, you know, helped her feel six again. And he says, well, dear, what's it like to be six again? Well, her exhausted face turns to frustration, and she says, you idiot, I'm talking about my dress size. (laughs) 
so, so, so the moral of the story is, even when a man is actually listening, he's going to get it wrong. He's going to get it wrong. That's why the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 7, it says, dwell with your wives according to knowledge. Okay, so that word dwell, I don't have time to unpack this all this morning, but that word dwell, the, the English equivalent of this Greek word is make a home with. She wants to, you to make a home with her, a place of security, a place of safety where you know and you understand each other. The next part of the verse is according to knowledge. It basically means, guys, we're, I'm supposed to study her, not just the external, I've done that, but, but we're supposed to know our wives, kind of know what makes her tick. Know what, figure her out. Know her, what's the keys to her heart. Know her hopes and dreams. Know what fires her up and what rips her apart. And I can remember sometimes we'll be in arguments and the ash of the argument or some point in the argument, she'll say, you should know that about me by now. You know, anybody resonate with that or am I by myself? Okay, anyway, I feel like I'm by myself. So she's basically saying, you know, I need to feel understood by you, okay? So uh, it's important. And here's another one. Engage in honest conversation. Everybody say honest conversation. This is the eye-to-eye, knee-to-knee communication. Women want uh, details. Men want headlines. And sometimes we need to just, we need to connect in honest conversation. Not just talk and shop. This is a huge growth area for me where we just have to go and, and I just have to say, baby, you know, I just, fr- Friday night, Friday night? No, just the other night we were on a date. Friday night we were on a date and I grabbed her hand because I knew I hadn't been consistent with this and I grabbed her hand kind of jokingly and I said, how are we doing? How are we doing? That, and she's like, good now because we're current, you know? But sometimes when I ask a question like that, my emotional infant side is like bad news is coming, bad news is coming, so don't bother asking the question. Does anybody know what I'm talking about out there? Some of you know what I'm talking about. So you're like, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it, bad news. And so what she would say is maybe initially, but if we maintain once what we obtain, like if we can maintain what we obtain, then she won't have to explain why there's a big vein in her forehead towards you. <laughs> Because we maintained it, right? So stay in communication. Get the temperature reading. Have honest conversation. And usually this is how she's connecting with you emotionally. And she's seeing heart-to-heart stuff take place. And there's ups and downs in this, guys. There always will be. Here's another thing. Give them respect. Give women respect. Now, I think this can show up in very simple ways. This isn't that hard. Sometimes I think it's so hard, and my wife will say, it's not that hard. I'm like, it's so hard. It's not that hard. And we're fighting about stupid stuff. But it could just simply be, it could be opening the door for her. It could be, this is a big one for Stacy, bringing in the groceries. So she goes to the grocery store. It's prudent for me to stay nearby until she gets home. Because if she pulls in the driveway, and I'm not there to help her bring in the groceries, it's, it's, it's going to be go time. It's going to be go time at some point down the road. But if I'm there, oh, man, that's a really big move. Another one is letting her know where I am or calling her to tell her when I'll be home. That's just showing respect. And ladies, if you, if, you know, stand there and wait for him to open the door once in a while, you know, he may drive down the road before he realizes <laughs> you're not in the car. But just stand there, okay? My last point is women want to feel important. Everybody say important. 
Now, I've done quite a bit of counseling. My wife has too, but this is a big complaint in counseling from women. Men sometimes can make women feel stupid. You're not saying they're stupid, but you're making them feel stupid because they don't understand finances and they don't understand computers and blah, 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 and we're just talking down, talking down. Listen, IQ testing across America does not reveal that men are smarter than women. Look it up. You will not be happy with what you find. Okay? <laughs> So you may be better at decision-making just because you make more of them than they do, perhaps. But you're not necessarily smarter. They can contribute greatly, bringing out the best, especially in today's world and especially in America. So the truth is you always make better decisions together. So in major decisions, in a Christian marriage, we should strive for what the Bible calls one-mind agreement. We're looking, for, uh, we're looking for unity between the two of us. Like, actually, it's the highest level of intimacy is unity between each other. And so they may, and they do, they have uncanny, protective, intuitive propensities in decision-making. Men see with their heads and women see with their hearts. And so this actually can protect men a lot of times in relationships within business. Business is not all head stuff. It's relationships. We know we make money based on relationships we have. And so they can see into relationships things that we can't see and sometimes save us a lot of heartache and a lot of mistakes. It's a good point right there, a really good point. All right, here's another one. Build a team spirit, collaboratives between the two of you in the home. Guys, don't just do things solo. So I don't do things solo. Okay, well, maybe you're dominating in the home as you're doing it together. Working in the kitchen, that's a place where we've had to grow. Like, I'm in the kitchen. Everybody out! You know what I mean? And Because I have my way. I want to do this. Oh, oh, yo, Adrian. And it just doesn't work. She's like, can we just work together? You know? <laughs> it's funnier than you know. Doing a message together. We've grown. We actually do this together, and it's fun. So those are some of the things that a guy uh, needs to know about a woman. Now, my wife's going to give you some of the other side of this, and I'm really scared. So if I leave the stage, you understand why. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so he picked up, he, he's talked about Ephesians 5, 28 through 31, and I'm going to pick up at verse 33, and it says, however, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Everybody say respect. Okay, so ultimately, men and women want the same thing. They want respect. But in women, it looks like they want to be loved and cherished. In men, the respect looks like honored and admired. So what men need is honor. We're going to talk about honor today. And that is like a special esteem or respect. Now, men do not need flowers. Men don't need someone looking in their eyes and telling them how much they love them. They need honor because honor translates as love to them. So I'm going to give you four things you need to know about men to help you show honor to your husband. Ladies, are you ready? Okay. Number one, men need to be the leader. Write it down. Men need to be the leader. Now, men, it is better to be made the leader than to just take the leadership like he mentioned before. But ladies, you can do this. You can set your husband up as the leader of your home. Um, you, you know, you may think, well, I'm a strong woman. I can lead. Well, you may be a strong woman, but women were not designed to be the leader of their home. God put the leadership stamp on them. We can be strong women. I'm a strong woman. I can passionately give my two cents to my husband. Now, I'm going to have him not make sure. Are you not? Okay. I could give my input. Sometimes I might not have input. He might say rarely. But when I don't have input, usually what I would just say is, you know what, honey? I, I trust you. I believe you. You always make the best decision. I know you will. 
and I'll walk off. And that's so freeing to be completely submitted to my husband because I can give my two cents, but then I can walk away and the responsibility is not left on my shoulders because I was not designed to carry that. Let him carry it. He's got big shoulders. Let him carry it. So on the leadership pendulum, we see everything from, on one side, we see, you know, that there's absenteeism with the fathers in the home or the husbands or the, the, yeah, the husbands in the home. Or on the other side of the pendulum, we see dictatorship where they just dominate and make every decision and don't ask their wife and they overstep the line. But in God's economy, men should lead respectfully, gently, and without of love, not out of an ego. Um, and women can help resp- restore the father or the husband to that place of leadership just by her pr- prayers and behavior. So you want to give him, women, you want to give him a bar to rise to. You know, tell him how you see him through your eyes of faith. Maybe sometimes it's hard to see in the natural, but tell him how you see him in the eyes of faith. I want to show you a verse in the Bible um, that if you'll write it down, you can look it up later. But 1 Peter 3, 5 through 7, it's talking about Sarah. And it says, For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah, excuse me, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. Okay, now we all, you know, think of Abraham as the, he's in the hall of faith and in Hebrews 11 and he's a great man. Well, this man kind of like hung Sarah out to dry a couple times. He lied about her to protect himself at her expense. Twice he did that. And, but in the middle of it, she called him Lord. She could have called him liar, but I believe that she called him Lord and put him in the place that he was supposed to be, called the man that God called him to be, out of him by her words over the circumstances, not the words in the middle of the circumstances. So I am teaching what is supposed to happen, not necessarily what I did, okay? So you can learn from my mistakes. But we're supposed to call things out. We're supposed to call it out as we see it through our eyes of faith. So how can we make them a leader? I'm going to give you two things under each little point here. So we can make them a leader by giving them respect and consideration. Now, some women think, you know, well, my man doesn't deserve respect. Now, I'm gonna, this is a rhetorical question, so don't raise your hand or don't elbow or anything. But have you ever heard this kind of conversation? It never happened in our home, ever. But you will respect me. Well, I'll respect you when you act respectable. Okay, that, like I said, never happened in our household, never. Um, but... I mean, it's a miracle that we're both standing here today before you together because of those kinds of conversations. But again, if one of you can just start, I wish I could have been the woman that said, you know what, I will respect you because of your position. And then I would have to walk away because everything else would want to come out. But that's what I wish I would have said. And maybe things would have been different a little bit earlier in our marriage. But you can honor the position, but you don't have to honor the behavior. And that's a little bit tricky. So um, most of the time, if you can call it out in them, it will start coming out. The second thing, how to make them a leader, is demonstrating a spirit of cooperation. So gently invite him to lead. 1 Peter 3, 7 tells us to win them over without any words. If you are inviting someone to lead gently without using words, that, that's a really gentle invitation. Appeal to his leadership. I've talked to so many girls that to, to be able to say to them, you know, well, ask your husband this. Ask his input on how to handle the kids or how to handle this financial situation or what to do at work. Gently invite him to lead by asking his input. So women, it is important that your men feels, your man feels like he can be the leader in his home, not just a lot of times they're the leader in their job or, you know, people are under him or reporting to them. But he needs to feel like that in his own home. Can I get an amen from the men? Okay. Number two, men need something to conquer. 
Men have an inherent need to conquer the world. If they're going to the mall, they're going to conquer the shopping, you know, the shopping mall. Um, they, they don't just, they don't relax until they feel like they're going and doing and conquering and doing something, you know. They don't go play golf or basketball to just relax. They're going to beat somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Um, my dad was a perfect example of this, literally on vacations. We would, I have two sisters, and we would have to go on a liquid fast the whole day before we were going on vacation because we had to drive down to Florida, you know, 10-hour trip, and he wanted to make a mile a minute. we got to do better than a mile a minute. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. I mean, I felt like I was in the military growing up, and I wasn't. I was just under my dad's care. And, like, he would even bring, we'd, although we'd had a, you know, liquid fast for a full day, he would even bring a little portable potty in the car. <laughs> Again, from experience, that is a bad idea. And it's a really bad idea to try to pour it out the window while the car's moving because he won't stop <laughs> while all the other windows are down. Bad idea. Don't use the portable potty. Let your children go to the bathroom, for crying out loud. You don't have to make a mile a minute. So, but men want to conquer something. So how can you women help him feel like he can conquer something? Is allowing him to dream his dreams. Go with them on their dreams. You know, let them think big. Just the other day, Derek and I were talking, and I was like, what's it going to feel like when all of our kids are married to godly spouses? What's it going to feel like to be a grandparent? What's it going to feel like when we have our first campus? Dream with your husband. Let him dream. Call that out of him. But just a parenthetical, men, sometimes it's hard for women to, um, to show that she believes in your dreams when your dreams are taking you away from the family. Just saying, okay? I'm going to move on because it's quiet. Okay, uh, another way to help him conquer things is understanding his need for solutions. Okay, men are designed to fix problems. How many times have we women just wanted to talk? I just want to express my feelings. And he's like, well, you need to do this. You need to do that. No, I just want to express my feelings. That's the whole issue. The issue is not the problem. Our feelings are the problems. So we don't want him to fix it, but have a rule. Women, for the love of God, let him fix the problem at some point. We have a 24-hour rule. Don't come to me with your problem, with your solution for my problem until the 25th hour. Like, give me some time to just think that you've listened to my feelings. And then come back to me and you earn brownie points by saying, hey, you know, I was thinking about your problem. I think I have a solution for you. And then I'm like, oh, he actually listened and he wants to fix it and he's thought about it. Oh, ding. Okay. So. <laughs> Another thing you need to know about your man is men need support. If a man feels supported, he will rise to his best. And you do this by showing loyalty. You're my man. And especially if through failure. You know, failure is an event. It is not a person. So don't harp on them if something's gone wrong. Hey, you just figured out a really good way not to do something. All right? So women, encourage your man. They feel supported. Um, and, and, and you can say, I believe the best in you. I believe you can do this. You're going to pick it up. You're going to go on. Let's go. You can do this. Also, rejecting affection from other sources. A man wants to know that your heart is his. No one else can compete for his. It's not even available to be competed for. So it puts a healthy pressure on him to cherish your heart and to protect your heart. So on the same token, though, he wants your support more than anybody else. Men are men are actually more monogamous most men are more monogamous than we give them credit for they really want Derek has always wanted to know how I thought he did on a Sunday Every, all of you could tell him how amazing amazing and he'll come home and he'll go honey how'd you think I did and I can break him or I can pump him up and he doesn't really want 
any kind of constructive criticism until Tuesday. You know, <laughs> it's like, give me a moment to, you know, just handle this. But support him. And, and, and that's what he mainly wants is your support as his wife. And the last thing here that we want to know, that we need to know about our men in order to show honor, and this is huge, women, write this one down, is men need to be admired. God put an ego in them for a reason. We don't know what that reason is, but he did it. So we can't argue with him, okay? So sometimes you got to stroke the ego, okay? If you don't stroke his ego, he'll stroke his own ego. They praise themselves. Have you ever seen cheerleaders at a women's sporting event? No, because women don't need cheerleaders. The men need the cheerleaders. It's true. But and I, I learned this from, you know, like even cutting the grass, Oh my gosh, I did not know that that was a right and a wrong way to cut the grass. But literally, I could be coming in from the grocery store. We'll use the grocery since that's a big thing with me. You know, screeching on two tires coming in the corner, you know, and I'll notice that the lawn looks nice. You know, that, to me, that's the extent of it. But he, when I come in, you know, he's like, follow me around. I'm like, Oh, honey, the lawn looks so nice. Come out to the car with me and let me tell you how great the lines looked. The diagonal lines, that's a real nice feature for our lawn, honey. Come here. And then the testosterone is flowing, and then he can grab all the groceries in one fell swoop. You know? It's like you scratch my back, I scratch yours. So be proud of your man. How do you, do, how do you show him at admiration is be proud of him. Ladies, this is huge. Express to him how proud you are of him. And here's, uh, here's a major factor in totally deflating if the, quite the opposite is true. If you talk ill of him in public, that deflates your man more than anything else. That, you might as well just put a dagger in his heart. Like he feels, he needs to feel esteemed in public. And here's a good lit- litmus test for you ladies is ask your friends what they think about your husband based on what you've said. Okay? If you are, you could be doing everything right in private, but if, if I'm around some people and I say one little thing that's negative about my husband, I mean, we poke fun at each other right now because it's, you know, we're, church. We're, it's church and we're, we're telling you what we've done wrong. Um, but if you're, you could do everything right in private, But if you do something in public that demeans him, emasculates him, degrades him, that just deflates, takes all the wind out of their sails. You need to be proud of him and you need to tell him in public. We we started, years ago, we started saying, hey, I was bragging on you today. Like we'll brag on people, like on on each other in public, but then we will go back and say, hey, this is what I said about you. I bragged on you today. This is what I said. And tell them. So verbalize your appreciation. This is the second part, point there, is verbalize your appreciation. Um, you, you just, you need, it's like he, Derek was saying last week, you know, Pavlov was onto something. You can train your men, kind of like dogs, you know. I mean, I'm not meaning like dog, y'all are dogs. But like you can train them, you know. Who's a good boy you spent quality time with me? You want a treat? They're like, yes, I want a treat. Follow me anywhere. Yes, yes, yes. I want a treat. You can train them. They actually made a movie. It's called How to Train Your Dragon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But, you know, in this day and age, so many times there are um, just TV shows that portray the men as a doofus. And it's not right. 
we women should be able to, I mean, I think because the women lib, women's lib movement, all of a sudden these women start now degrading and speaking ill publicly about these men. And why do you think it's gone downhill? Why do you think these men are like now really being doofuses? Okay, because they, it's been spoken over them. So speak life over your husband. Admire him. Tell him something that you admire. Because if you don't, somebody else might. And you don't want that. So, I will, I, I will say this. Last, my, my last thing here is, um, I saw a quote recently that said, the price of a counselor is a lot less than a price of a divorce lawyer. So there might be a time when you have, when the woman's doing everything right, and, you know, admiring and respecting her husband, and he's still a doofus and he won't change. Or vice versa, where the, the man is making his wife feel special, but she still degrades him. If that's happening, you need Jesus, and you need to seek counseling. Because, you know, you, you don't want to be paying a divorce lawyer. Pay a counselor first and see if you can work some of these things out. And that's what we did. We got a counselor, and we had Jesus all over the place. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, baby. That was awesome. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I tell you what, why don't you stand to your feet? Stand to your feet. You can put your worship guides away, your Bibles away. If you could just be very still, though, a couple of quick things. I'm going to let you go literally in like two minutes. I um, want to let you know about a few practical things. One, uh, we just wanted to have a little bit of fun today. So we, we, we sometimes go a little bit deeper. You might think that was deep, but um, we, we'll, we'll teach the word and we don't hesitate to do so. But today we really wanted it to be a celebration in particular for kids and for families. So after church today, when you go outside, like the benediction is there's ice cream trucks outside and everything's free. Everything's free, okay? And so uh, please take full advantage of that. We just want you to have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday and a great experience here at Connect. Also, just want to let you know, for those of you who are looking for a church home, tonight in the lower auditorium at 5.30, child care, food provided, we have our spiritual family class. We call it C101. So if you want to learn more about our church, it's kind of an opportunity to connect with us a little bit more, or get orientated with the vision and the beliefs of our church. That would be a great thing for you to learn more about who we are. This is just kind of like the showroom, but we want you to know more and just be able to make an informed decision whether this would be the right place for you. And if that's kind of where you're at in your journey, that is your next step. Also, uh, what else do I need to tell you? I think that's pretty much it. So why don't you just close your eyes? I want to pray for you, okay? I know, God, that there are people in this room that um, have come and there's and, and, and there's pain, and there's problems, and there's some of this stuff, it's like, yeah, yeah, but you don't know my story. Yeah, yeah, but what about this? But what about that? Or I, I don't know if that could happen for me. I don't know if that could happen in my situation. And I just know, God, that you're interested in our situation. You're interested in our every need. You know what's going on in our lives. And, and you're a God of power, like the kids were singing about earlier. And I've seen you work in people's lives miraculously many, many times. And so, Lord, I pray that you would uh, penetrate our hearts to help us to see, help us to see our spouse, help us to see those that are in our lives the way you see them. So give us the vision for others that you have, Lord. Help us not to, not to go to the defaults of our sinful nature, but to go to that new nature in Christ Jesus, that we would literally lay down our lives for each other we would serve each other selflessly and that the impetus to be able to do that comes from your great love for us and if there's somebody here today that has not experienced that great love for themselves personally on a personal level Jesus wants to be in relationship with you so you can have successful relationships with everybody else in particular those that are closest to you but he wants to be close to you so all he asks 
without embarrassing anybody, calling anybody out of their seat, making anybody move around. He just asks that you invite him into your life. It's just, that's it. He stands at the door, the Bible says, and knocks. If anyone would hear my voice, would answer that door. There's a handle on the inside, not the outside. Only you can open that door. He'll come in. He'll come in. So if you're here today and you want to invite Christ into your life, to be in relationship with him, you don't have to have it all worked out. You don't have to be perfect. No, he's the one that makes things work out. He works all things together for good to them that love him. And so if you just want to fall into that relation, fall into that loving relationship with him that you saw on those kids and have that childlike faith, that's exactly what it takes to come to Christ. It's childlike faith. So if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand boldly. And if you're listening online, you just respond as well. If that's you, just say, pray for me, Pastor. I don't want to leave today without that assurance. Actually, the Bible calls it, oh, the old song is blessed assurance. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Would you pray this prayer with me? And those that are listening online, would you pray this prayer? Say, Jesus, I love you. I surrender my life to you. I give over who I am to who you are. Change me. Make me new. A new creation in Christ Jesus from the inside out. I pray that you help me in all my relationships. First you and then others to serve selflessly to lay down my life for others like you did for me. Thank you, God, for being with me. Thank you for being here in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap all over the place.